here in a minute during the lesson here. And this is a, a promotion Sunday where we, we uh, honor the kids as they're going back to school and we, we pray over them and we're excited about uh, just the ways that God's going to work this year and in, in and among us. Now I'm going to, to walk us through a lesson to start with. And we live in a world where not everyone belongs, okay? Can, can you... Let's, you can... <laughs> you got that right. That's what Gary said. Yeah. Uh, how many of you have felt that you didn't belong in some form or fashion somewhere? Okay. Yeah. We get that. And I can't help but think I've got a, a daughter who's going to be um, a high schooler, and she loves it when I talk about her during lessons, right? Yeah. But um, I've been uh, over at the soccer fields for soccer tryouts, and I've been, uh, I walked through the, the gym during volleyball tryouts, and we have some that participated from the church in that. And something, it brought back memories, but one of the things I, I noticed with, that happens with sports, and this is just one example, is there's something that happens called cuts. And some kids don't have the athletic ability or, or for whatever reason, do not make the cut and are not able to participate. And I always think about that, and my heart goes out to those, uh, the kids, because I was one of those, and I'll talk about that here in just a minute. But there's a, it's kind of, it's tough because I think well if if someone goes out for a sports team and they get cut they tried and they worked and and it just didn't work out or the same thing can happen with a play if somebody wants to be in play or or a select choir and really wants to sing and wants to sing a solo and the instructor says you know I appreciate your effort and you push you put great effort forth you know what that means is you don't have a great voice, but thanks for your effort. You know that that sort of thing, and you feel like, man, I just don't fit in. I've I missed it, and I just I'm not there. Or our friend groups, or as you get to be adults, uh, every job that we apply for, we don't get. There's sometimes that we feel like we're not good enough. We don't make the cut, and uh, any number of ways in life that 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 happens. Um, I'll tell you my story. Uh, there's people ask. Not so much anymore, but when I was younger, where did you play basketball? Okay, that, that's a really, um, uh, that, that's a, I, my question, my answer is nowhere. <laughs> that didn't happen. Because there was a time where I was this tall and about 70 pounds lighter, okay? And I was about this big and uncoordinated, all, all that sort of thing. And, and I didn't really grow up playing basketball, but I remember when I got into high school, I thought, hey, I think I'd want to play basketball and, and do that. And Libby had some big guys that actually played college ball that were my age. And so I went in, and I was one of those guys that when the coach read, these are the players for this year, my name was not on there. And I walked out and thought, well, I feel dumb, and you know, this is not okay, and this is kind of rough on me. And had to walk through all of that, and and uh, and so ask me, so where did you play basketball? I'm like, leave me alone. You know, that's what I want to say, but no, that's not. It's I've processed it. It's all good. You know, all that. But I remember that hurt and thinking, man, I'm 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 not good enough. I'm not there, and I just I'm not sure what to do about that. And there was another situation in in high school that happened that was very similar. Uh, it's called math class. Okay. Some of you, how many of you are gifted in math? Okay. Some of you raise your hands that you're gifted in math. Okay. There's a, whenever I took one of those, those profiles for what career I would do when I was in high school or when I took the SAT or ACT, there was everything else and then there was 
math down here. And I'm confessing this because my kids up to this point in time have always thought that I'm a math genius. And sorry, kids, that's not the case. I don't think that's actually true. But anyway, I really wrestled with it. And I remember there was, when I'd look at my schedule in high school and I'd go into these, uh, the classes, I'd think, okay, English, fine, history, good to go, math class, oh. No, no, I don't have, no, this is hard, I don't get it, I don't understand. I remember when the algebra especially, the algebra test being put in front of me and looking at that and thinking, hmm, I'm sure we talked about this stuff at some point in time, but I have no idea what all that stuff on this paper is right now. And this is going to be hard and I've got to wrestle through it. And, and I remember, because with basketball and with math class, I developed within my own self this culture of failure in those areas. Is that, oh, I'm not going to do well. This isn't going to go well. I'm going to fail. This is going to be terrible. And, and just, that's how I got that going in my mind. You understand what I mean by the culture of failure? Is that we failed and then we just assume that that's what's going to happen next time. How many of you in life have had a culture of, have developed a culture of failure within your own self in some form or fashion? Okay. Oh, you guys are good. There's just a few of you, yeah? Right? Come on, honest culture of failure. You've wrestled with it, yeah. There's all sorts of different ways that we can, we can wrestle with that. But I want to share something. Kids, you guys listening, you need to understand this. Adults, we need to be reminded of this. Here it is. Look at that. Doesn't that look good? In God's world, failures are welcome. Okay? If you feel right now that, man, Chris knows me, I've failed and I've got these failures and I've got that failure and I've got whatever type of failure and I've wrestled through all this um, and it seems like everybody else around me has got stuff together and I'm just this, this big failure and nothing ever seems to go right for me and guess what, here's the good news, is that God, he loves people that are in a place where they think, man, I'm just a failure and I'm not sure what to do about this. Because when that's where we are, we're in a place for God to use us to do great stuff. Let me give you a couple of examples. And there's many, many more than this. Go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12. We meet a guy named Abram, who's later called Abraham. And so I have Abraham written up there. But Abraham was this guy who was, he was approaching late in life. He is one that history would have never remembered. He didn't build a city. He was not a great military commander. He did not have a huge, successful family. It was just him and his wife and a couple of servants, and his wife could not have children. And so he just was going on through life, towards the end of life. And I imagine Abraham, as he, in his quiet moments when he was out there, he thought, man, I am just a failure. I don't fit. I am not successful by the, the standards of the people around me. I don't have it. I, I'm missing it. And listen to what God says to him. God appears to him in Genesis chapter 12. Look at verse 2. He says, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Just think about how Abraham must have felt when he heard those words right then. He has been developed this culture of failure within himself. And here comes God. God says, Abraham, I hear you, man. I hear you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you into a person of great success that is beyond anything you can imagine. 
and all nations on earth will be blessed because of you. And Abraham, as you read through the rest of chapter 12, he must have wrestled with that and what that looked like. And, and he, he goes through life. But it seems like God picked him because God is able to look into the hearts of people in ways that we cannot and look down and said, this Abraham guy has got something. In the definition of everybody else around him, he's got failure written all over him. But in my definition, I'm going to do something great with him. Abraham's a great example of that. We have Moses as another great example. I don't have it listed up here. But Moses, when he was 40 years old, strong, powerful, thought he could conquer everything, it didn't go well for him. Killed that Egyptian, he got ran out and spent the next 40 years wandering in the desert. And then God came to him, like we talked about a few weeks ago. Moses, now it's time. You think Moses had the failure complex? You think he felt like a failure? Oh, absolutely. Look at this next guy, David. I want to look at First uh, Samuel chapter 16. Go ahead and turn there. First Samuel chapter 16. And I'll start reading in verse 6. And what happens is the king at this time, Saul, has the Spirit of God is in the process of leaving him. He has chosen to be selfish and evil instead of uh, live by faith. It's some very, very important points of testing that God sent to him. In First Samuel chapter 16, I'll start reading in verse 6, because what happens is God sends Samuel to the house of Jesse and says, Hey, I've got someone that I'm, I want you to go and anoint, and he's going to be the next king of Israel. And watch this exchange, what happens. In verse 6, it says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. So Samuel looks at this guy and thinks, Yep, this is the guy. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. So this guy must have been tall, strong, good-looking, all of that. And the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so Samuel is sitting there thinking, huh, okay, well, I guess my king picker is off. I'm going to see what God has in mind here. Verse 8 says, Then Jesse called Aminadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So I wonder how David must have felt at this point in time. Is David is out watching the sheep. And they get word that... Um, Samuel's coming, there's going to be a sacrifice there. Jesse brings his boys, but he doesn't even think to bring David. <laughs> David is out with the sheep and he stays out there. And you can imagine Jesse's excited and has his sons pass in front of Samuel. Who's the one that's going to be anointed here? And Samuel says, nope, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him. Well, do you have any other sons? Is there any others around? And Jesse's like, oh, we got whoops, the one, that, the youngest, that's uh, out watching the sheep, should I send for him? They bring David in. David is the last pick in the dodgeball game. That's what happens here. David is the very last pick by his family. But God says, no, I see something in this boy that is going to be great. I wonder if David wouldn't have uh, 
or couldn't have developed this failure complex here at some point. But God saw something much greater in David than anybody else could see at this point in time. Okay, you fellows that are I, I tasked with uh, reading scriptures, come on down front here, and uh, we're going to, uh, I'll have you read here in just a minute. Because what we're going to see from scripture is that in God's world, everyone who wants to is welcome to belong and be a part of his kingdom. So Luke, I think you get the first scripture, uh, Galatians 3, 26 to 28. Go ahead and stand up there and read it. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith as through faith for as of you were all baptized into Christ have put on Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus Okay this passage from Paul is phenomenal I love it, it says it doesn't matter what your cultural heritage is male female whatever it is religious history You've all got a place in God's kingdom, and God wants you. And we come into Christ, we're clothed with Christ through baptism, and things change. And, and this is beautiful to remember. If you ever think, boy, I, I don't think I'm welcome, I don't think I'm, 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 I belong, all that sort of thing, we're all welcome in God's kingdom. And as a church, our job is to continue to, to learn what that means, is bringing people in and, and welcome them into God's kingdom. Let's look at the next one, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Go ahead and read that, Landon. Romans 12, 3 through 8. We're all welcome, but all of us have value. Go ahead, for, Landon. For by the grace given me, I say to every, every, uh, every one of to you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment and accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have, all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many from one body and each member belongs to all of the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. In it, your gift is prof- prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is lead to do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Thank you, Landon. So that's a a passage where the Romans, uh, just like the Corinthians, you read Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's easy to remember. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. They talk about the different spiritual gifts. But in our world, there is the, the sense of some people belong, some people don't. In God's kingdom, God has gifted every one of us who come to him with gifts to be able to serve, to build up God's people, and to make a difference in his world. 
Every one of us have that opportunity. And not all of us have all the gifts. We have, each of us have some. And we're given those abilities to be able to, to use, to do great things. So kids, I want you to remember something here, okay? And I say this periodically, and I never want to get tired of saying this. Is, adults, this is the case as well, if you've forgotten. Is that God has plans for you to do great things for him. And he's given you gifts in order to do great things for him. And the greatest fulfillment and peace and joy and that you'll ever find in life is when we are working in, with the gifts that God has given us to bless other people around us. And there's tremendous transformation change that happens in our lives when we do that. And we get to bless uh, many, many other people. And those gifts are developed over time. But each one of you has a special opportunity to serve as nobody else can. In this, in this community, the church here, and in the world. Each one of us is unique in that, and God has made you just the way he wants you. And that's sometimes, I think, one of the great disservices that we do to people and to children. I mean, just in general, I'm speaking. But there is, a, sometimes we can create an example is that everybody needs to be like so-and-so, whoever that may be, and, and we can't live up to that. Um, sometimes we can put example, or, uh, we can put expectations on children that they be perfect, as our heavenly Father is perfect, and that we as adults are not able to hold up to the standard that we demand of children. You know, that's just one way of of creating um, all sorts of of exclusions with children, because some develop faster than others, some have different backgrounds than others. But what God has called for all of us is to to be realize that we have great value. I had a conversation with someone just recently, and they were wrestling with, how, what am I, how am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do as a Christian? And my response was, you get into God's Word every day, you continue to pray, look for great examples, but you be the best you you can be. Because God has made you unique to be just the way you are. Just more and more like Jesus every day. And, and hopefully when we realize that, it takes some of the pressure off our shoulders to realize, hey, God's made me unique, God's made me great, and he's made me to do awesome stuff for him. All right, Kagan, go ahead and read. John 13, 34 and 35, is that all God's, everyone, all children, need to be loved in God's kingdom. Go ahead. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So our job is, as people, whether we're kids, whether we're adults, the way we can show Christ in powerful ways is that we love one another. Um, and... Just think about what a community looks like when we really show that, we really demonstrate that love for one another, how different it looks than the world that we live in and the people that we're around. And man, what, a, what an example that Christ has given us in that, is that all children, all adults, all people that are part of God's kingdom um, have the need to be loved and are called by all the rest of us to love each other. Um, I want to share something here. I love this picture. You know, this, this kid's going places, you know. I found this online. But God welcomes those who aren't exceptional by the world's standards to be wanted, accepted, and empowered to be great in his eyes. And for, talk to the parents here for just a minute. As a fellow parent who is struggling along with you, and understand as a, 
as the preacher man, I don't have all the answers of parenting, okay? Please don't, okay? I'm, I'm trying. I'm working on it, all right? We're all in process, wanting our kids to grow, to love God, and to, to look like Him more and more every day. And, uh, and I have plenty of moments where I scratch my head and think, what on earth am I doing wrong here? And I'm just not, not getting this. Right, Sarah? I thought, do I have shortcomings as a dad? Yes. Luke, do I have shortcomings as a dad? Where's Luke at? Yep, okay, yes, it's there. It's there. I've got them. But hopefully what my kids see from me is that I really want to love God and I want to demonstrate that um, to them through the fruit of the Spirit, through the way that I act, through the words that come out of my mouth. And so that they will see the joy of the Lord, the abundant life of Jesus, and, and follow that path as well. And that's as parents. I, bet, I think that's the greatest thing that we can shoot for is wanting our kids to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, strength, and love their neighbors themselves. And mission accomplished if we do that. And so I would encourage you, as I encourage myself in the journey of the school you're coming up, is, is love your kids and show godliness to them in every way that you can. And day in, day out, wake up and say, I know that my kids are watching today. And so today is a day that I want to show Christ. And I'm going to walk through life that way. Something that uh, we're going to introduce here in just a, a bit, and I won't give details, it's going to be a surprise, okay? Big surprises. You know, we love surprises, right? Okay. I would just encourage you that there's, there's times where it's good to, to just reevaluate and think, all right, where am I going in life? And here's some things just to consider as parents. I'd, I would encourage you to have some time every day or several times a week where you just sit down as a family and read scriptures, okay? And, and just share that, that message, the, the scriptures with your children so that they see that that is something of vital importance. Uh, make prayer something that is, happens in your, in your life several times a day with, as a family in different ways, before mealtimes, before bed, whatever it may be. I would encourage you, with, uh, we'll have Bible classes on Sunday morning for kids and Wednesday nights, and I encourage you to make those a priority. It's just a great opportunity for kids to be able to come and participate and uh, and and be with other kids their age and, and grow together. There's all sorts of, of other activities that happen throughout the church, but if you have kids, I just encourage you that there's a, those are, are open and available, and we'd love for, for kids to be able to participate in those things. For kids, I'm talking to you now. Okay, Here comes a lecture from Mr. Chris. You guys ready? Here it is. Decide every day when you wake up, today I am God's. I'm going to remember who I am. And I'm going to try to look like Jesus. And I believe if we do that every day, then it's amazing what God is going to do. The peace, the answers that he will bring in life. And you realize that you're never alone. Kids, I want you to look around for just a second. This is the time when you can turn around in church and look behind you. Okay, Look around. Okay. You guys, kids, are not alone. You've got all of us adults that are praying alongside you as you go back to school. You're not alone. You're loved. You're appreciated. We're thankful for exactly who you are, and we want to show an example of Christ that helps you look more and more like Jesus every day. And that's uh, something we can all pray together, is as we go through life this next year, my prayer, our prayer, is that we live out the abundant life of Jesus together and look more like Jesus when we're doing this a year from now than we do right now. If you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, the elders are waiting in the back and they will pray with you. And if you'd like to become a Christian, you're welcome to speak with them about that as well.
Let's stand and sing together.